Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Social Justice Matters. This is the last episode of 2020. My name is Colette Bennett, and I'm Economic and Social Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As regular listeners will know by now, we release three different types of podcasts. Our SJI 10-Minute Lesson series aims to educate and inform listeners on a particular area of policy, giving a brief overview of somewhere in the range of 8 to 15 minutes and hitting on the key points that people need to know. Our seminar series, which provides opportunities to listen back to some of the most important presentations at our past events, and our SJI interview series, where we chat to experts on a range of policy areas. This is one of those. In today's episode, I'm speaking to Siobhan Cronog of Longford PPN, Helen Howes of Wicklow PPN and Dr. Harriet Emerson, independent consultant, about the visions for community well-being currently being rolled out across the country by public participation networks. These visions are a grassroots exercise which gather communities across the country to have their say in the shape of their community now and into the future. This is particularly relevant in the context of the government's document on well-being indicators that was published with Budget 2021, and it could be used to inform how those indicators are determined. We hope you enjoy it. So thank you so much, Harriet, Helen and Siobhan for joining me this morning. Um, it's great to have you all. So Harriet, I'm going to start with you if I can. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the development of these visions for community well-being? Because as I said in the introduction, they are being rolled out across all 31 PPN areas. And they're a really critical thing, certainly, that I think um, in the policy space and in, in that whole area of participation. So if you can bring us a little bit into how they came about and the six domains. Yes, surely. Um... I, well, I'd agree with you. They are absolutely critical. And they were something which was uh, envisaged right at the beginning when PPNs were set up. And their, their real purpose is to bring together all of the different member groups. So if you think about them as hundreds, and it will be hundreds, sometimes over a thousand of different, totally different and diverse groups that make up the membership of the PPN for them to agree what they want their area to be like. And that then gives them uh, a unified sense, a shared identity that they've uh, drawn up as to what they want to see achieved. And that's a very powerful thing then, mostly because the critical role of the PPN is to represent the community and voluntary groups to local government and other structures. So the people who are doing that representing, um, who are elected from the PPN membership, need to know what it is that all those member groups want to see achieved. And at the same time, all of those member groups also need to know who and what their representatives are going to be saying on their behalf. So this vision does that. It sets out what they've agreed together, which is a real achievement they want to see. And really the idea of community well-being, which is effectively the, the tool that we've used, um, PBNs have used to help them to describe what they want their areas to be like, um, is essentially a way of looking at making sure that every member of our community achieves that idea of well-being. It's something we've become quite familiar with. We tend to think of it particularly around health, mental and physical health. But actually, we, and I think in communities we know this, 
it involves a lot more than just our health. It involves the places that we live in. You know, have we got, uh, you know, appropriate housing that suits our needs? Are we in communities where there are services and facilities? Is there infrastructure both for, uh, for us in our homes and in our recreation, but importantly in work and for businesses that we want to set up? Have we got a strong economy? Do we have jobs? And for those of us who aren't in work, are there things that we can also contribute and actively get involved in doing? Is our environment uh, fit to support us? Do we care for it and does it care for us? And so thinking about all those different things, the community wellbeing approach looks at all of those different aspects. And in the PPN model, uh, which was particularly developed by uh, PPN groups themselves, and in fact, the model for community wellbeing was also refined by them because there's no international agreed version. There are six headings that are used. Um, which effectively cover all of those different areas. And just very briefly, uh, they include health, mental and physical health. Uh, they include work economy and resources, uh, social community development, participation, democracy, and good governance, uh, which is a toughie, but quite important actually, and clearly one that's important to, to community groups attempting to get their voices put across. Um, values, culture, and meaning, which is around what, what we value, what makes us, uh, us, if you like, and, and our places unique and special, and then around environment and sustainability. So we're thinking for all of our, uh, all of the members of our community and also for future generations. And it's that community uh, approach, which is unique to the PPNs and also makes their voice unique when they go and represent it at the different committees that they sit on. And you mentioned the fact that this is unique to the public participation networks. What's so important about the fact that this came from the public participation networks themselves, it came from the community groups themselves, as opposed to being a structure that was agreed at a more national level or a more policy level um, that was given to the PPNs? It's a brilliant question. I guess the, the critical point is that the public participation networks are now recognised as the vehicle for engaging the local communities and, and indeed to a large extent national government engaging with our communities. And so it's a voice for people in their local areas um, who are interested in how their community is in all its different aspects. And on that basis, if you want to ask well, what is well-being, you need really to ask the people whose well-being you're talking about. So what better and what a more appropriate way to do it than to ask the communities themselves. So by the PPNs literally going to, if you like, the grassroots membership, the communities themselves, represented by these community and voluntary organisations and saying, well, what does it look like to you if everything was sorted in the area that you live in, if we had it working the way that you want it to be, if everybody uh, had something of value to contribute, they lived lives that they felt were worthwhile, you know, and that they could achieve things, what would that look like? Well, isn't it most appropriate that it's the people whose well-being you're talking about who can describe that well-being? So that's why it's, it's important. It's also, as you said, unique. I'm, I'm not aware that globally it's done from literally from the grassroots up anywhere else. So it's sort of critical. If we want to deliver community well-being, you need to ask the community. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, moving then to, to Helen and Siobhan. And again, thank you very much for giving up your, your time. I know you're both very busy um, to do this, but you were involved in the pilot in actually developing these six domains that Harriet speaks about and, and in, in starting this grassroots movement. Um, how did you find the pilot? Was it something that was difficult to do? Um, and starting with you, Siobhan. 
Well, initially, it was quite a daunting exercise, to be honest. Um, it was difficult to imagine what the community wellbeing vision toolkit we were about to de develop was going to look like. Um, but we had a great team, which was made up of four PPN coordinators, four secretariat members, and then a representative from the Irish Environmental Network, Social Justice Ireland, and the Environmental Protection Agencies. And I definitely think we were blessed to have Dr. Harriet Emerson as the consultant, and she kind of pulled all our ideas together. Um, I definitely think once we decided on the six themes that we felt encompassed community wellbeing, it was easier then to develop the process and agree on the documentation that um, we felt needed to be included in the toolkit. So Helen, uh, just over to you in terms of you know, your engagement in the pilot that Harriet talks about. Um, you know, you were one of the pioneers in, in starting this and setting this up and getting these groups together. How difficult was it um, to actually develop this, this theme, this concept of a vision for community wellbeing? Um, okay, so, so there was a group of four pilots. There was resource workers and secretariat along with um, Harriet and IEN and Social Justice Ireland. And um, I suppose probably the most difficult, which took a while and a lot of discussion, uh, was getting our heads around what, what wellbeing was. And I think that's probably where we put most of our energies because mostly when people were talking about well-being that we're talking about that physical and mental health piece but we, we just knew it was much more holistic than that um there was almost like you know maslow's theory you know it, it, it means different things to different people and depending on where they are so it, it took us a while to, to kind of figure out that the the kind of six headings that that harriet was was talking about um it was great you know what it, it was uh, it was a fantastic process um and i really really enjoyed being part of the group and feeding off everyone and and the exchange of opinions and, and working towards those six headings it was intense um but it was it was really worthwhile and i think we ended up with a really good process that is now working across all the PPNs really, really well, as more PPNs come on board with their wellbeing visions. And Siobhan, can I ask you, is Helen's, um, I suppose, in Helen's take on her participation in the pilot, would you share that in terms of, you know, what the more difficult part of it was? Because certainly when I talk to people at first about wellbeing, they immediately think mental and physical health. They immediately think healthy Ireland, they think yoga, they think that kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, what has value, culture, the meaning got to do with anything or local economy got to do with anything? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, that, that was difficult. But as I said, I think once we agreed on the six themes, I think it became clear in our heads that there were so many other factors 
uh, that contributed to the well-being of all of the members of the community. Um, and once we opened up those discussions around the themes, it also became clear that there were common factors that ran across the themes, such as transport, childcare, adequate housing, and so on. So just talking about, I suppose, the benefit of the vision for community well-being. Um, Helen, I'll start with you first. What, what do you think were, say, the three main benefits of, of, first of all, doing the process in the way that you did it, but also then in terms of for your community groups or your wider community? The main benefit, I would say, would be the actual getting into communities, listening to them, hearing them, and building up the relationships that we built with them and doing that work. Um, it, it, it supported us and highlighted us as a PPN and an organisation um, and what we do. It also, I think, really helped bring communities together. Like we were told a story afterwards. Our first workshop happened in Hollywood in, in County Wicklow and West Wicklow. And the groups so enjoyed and got such benefit from coming together that they, they developed then a Hollywood forum. And since then, months, months, months later, we discovered then that the Hollywood forum had gone from strength to strength. And they were starting then to talk to the, the Bottom Glass Forum and the Blessington Forum. So they were getting this whole connection then in West Wicklow where people, you know, were talking to each other and working together. And, and that, for me, was, was just magical. And, and I have been known to say, when asked about our experience of going out and, and running the workshops and the consultations, that it was extremely hard work uh, and very time consuming, but it was one of the best pieces of community development work uh, that, that, that I've done in, in my career. Uh, and, and we've just been reaping the benefits from it ever since. We were just talking this year about, you know, We've been running in Wicklow, Canterbury PPN was developed um, in 2014, but we really only started to, to come into our own say in, in 2015. And we'd a very small pot of member groups, we'd only about 60 odd member groups. We're at 355 member groups this year. We are having, um, you know, when we look for representatives, we're getting more than one person for a seat. When we run consultations, uh, where initially you'd be lucky if you got half a dozen people to come and do, you know, a focus group or a consultation with you. We're going over a hundred people now for consultations. Um, do you know, and and we think that this increase in engagement and participation is is allowed us to do what the groundwork that we did in our well-being workshops and getting out and speaking to people and giving them that opportunity to engage so that's the main benefit we think um i would say in terms of the process um, the asset mapping exercise that the consultation begins with uh, is very good for community groups to identify what's good and what's working in their area. 
Uh, secondly, I would say the groups themselves having that opportunity to write on post-it notes their comments and suggestions for the future they visualize under the six themes and then being able to get a chance to review what had been typed up so they could see if what they had written was misinterpreted or after the consultation, if they wanted to expand on something, they had an opportunity to do that. And finally, the third benefit I would say in terms of the process was that the group members who, for whatever reason, weren't able to attend the consultation, and they had an opportunity uh, to have their input in the online consultation, which I think was really important. Um, then just quickly in terms of the engagement of the community groups, I think the whole process was a fantastic opportunity for groups to work together and discuss what was important to them in their municipal district, but also to visualise how they would need to work together to develop the overall county vision. Uh, finally, I just want to commend Longford PPN groups because they were so engaged in the process from beginning to end and we were the first PPN to develop the visions and have them adopted at the county plenary meeting in June 2018. And I have to say, and I genuinely mean this, it was one of the most beneficial pieces of work Longford PPN has done to date and the vi those visions that they developed continue to direct our work plan now. Great. Um, and then in terms of, I suppose, using the, the vision. So, you know, is it something that is a practical document? And I am asking this as a devil's advocate, I suppose. Um, but is it something that's a very practical document or is it something that is something that was good to do? You got that kind of benefit out of it. The community groups all got together, but the vision itself is something nice to have on a shelf or on your website as a blurb. No, definitely it does not sit on the shelf and we were adamant uh, that that would not be the case from the first pilot meeting. Um, I could be here all day giving you examples of how it's been used, so I, I'll just give you a few. Um, in terms of Longford County Council, the wellbeing visions have fed into various plans, policies and strategies, um, such as the Healthy Ireland plan, uh, the Council's Walking Cycling Strategy, the Longford Intercultural Strategy, uh, the Strategic Policy Scheme, the Corporate Plan and the County Development Plan. And uh, in terms of our own PPN work plan, then we used it as the basis of training, which was delivered to our PPN reps on decision making committees. So they were equipped to bring the community priorities to the table and be actively part of the decision making process at local level. And we continued with that capacity building for our reps um, by getting Social Justice Ireland to design and deliver a course that taught our reps how to use data then to underpin the wellbeing visions. And this was very useful to our groups when it came to making submissions at local level, regional level and national level. Um, in 2019, our groups used the visions as the basis for developing their election mandates. And this, uh, this was welcomed by the elected members as well. And then just an example of collaboration, our PPN Disability Network used the, the visions to collaborate with Longford Chamber of Commerce and all the 
the national schools in the county and we rolled out a disability awareness campaign uh, which was very successful and that stemmed from the community raising the importance of accessibility and inclusiveness throughout the visions. Uh, finally then I would just say that this year uh, because of the new four new SPCs, we based on the visions, we delivered training to our reps so that they would be able to communicate and coordinate proposals across the SPCs. And this was very important to help groups to identify projects that will make the visions a reality. And basically, they could work together to identify which funding streams or which collaborations, you know, were best to make this happen. We, we absolutely use it so many times. I mean, Harriet referred to our representatives and how it, how it can help the representatives. And it's true, like when you go out and you do those consultations for your wellbeing statement, you talk to so many people and so many groups across, you know, a diverse pool of our membership. And, and if our representatives, or when our representatives bring refer to those visions when they're sitting at the, the, the committees that they sit on, in effect, there's a whole community sitting at that table with them. So, it, it, you know, it can give the reps that confidence that they're not that, you know, one single voice, that they have a whole community sitting there behind them. Um, the other thing where we found our vision statement completely invaluable as when we, when we do submissions to various consultations. We refer to our vision statements all the time. We think it gives our submissions some credence because in, in our submissions we would always you know highlight what consultation we have done and, and to, you know that's feeding into the submission. So, so the well-being consultations would be a main part of that. But also, if you go on to the Wicklow PPN website and, and look at our submission pages, you can really see, um, click into any of the submissions since we've done the wellbeing visions, and you can see where those visions are feeding in. The main one, I, I would say, last year we did a submission to the Wicklow County Council corporate plan, and you could clearly see the similarities and synergies between what Wicklow County Council was uh, listing as being values and what had come across in our wellbeing consultations and, and which is in our, our vision statements. So it's having a real policy impact for all the world. It, it absolutely is. Um, I mean, it, it's not, um, I, and I know you, you get a lot of plans and strategies and documents and they're on the bookshelf and they're fantastic and, and you might look at them now and again. But I, I have our vision and booklet right beside us on the desk and it, it's referred to quite a lot and, and, and brought out quite a lot. It, it's just been so useful. Yes, definitely. And it will continue to be the focus of our work plan going forward. Um, our network is growing substantially every year. So I think as well, it's really important that we review the visions. Uh, so our new members have an opportunity to, to shape the future of the county and that they're very connected with the local authority, with other decision making agencies. And, um, you know, they're, they can, as I said before, they can identify projects, identify 
identify funding streams and um, just be a strong network that are part of making these visions a reality. And that document will stay as a live document um, throughout the whole life of the PPN. That's what I envision anyway. Thank you. Um, back to you, Harriet. So you might be aware that the government back in budget day um, published their well-being and the measurement of broader living standards in Ireland, that document um, that looks at, it has sets out three types of mechanisms or indicators for developing this kind of well-being statement or this kind of well-being indicators for the nation of Ireland. How transferable is what you're doing or what you know the, the PPNs are doing? How transferable is that to a national level? Another great question. I think it's critical that it, it is transferred because if there isn't joined up thinking between, if you like, that national approach and what's coming from the grassroots level, then, well, first of all, you're not going to be able to deliver what the communities themselves need in terms of, of what is community well-being, um, and you're likely to waste a lot of time and resources. And, and picking up on something Helen said, the PPNs have this unique long-term interest here. So, you know, this is where, it, this is where it's at. So I, I, I would certainly hope that the connection is there and it's very strong, and really the national um, level indicators need to be built on what communities are looking for. And increasingly, um, as the, the different public participation networks are rolling out their visions across the country, you can see some very strong common themes. Those are enduring themes, they're not going to change. You know, this is what people need. Um, they may be, uh, you know, expanded on over time, but essentially they're very core and critical and they're relatively easily identifiable. So yeah, there's a piece of work to be done to, for, for the national level indicators to clearly pick up on and reflect what the communities are looking for, but it's perfectly doable. And that would then mean that we'd have a set of national indicators that were genuinely meaningful for communities on the ground. Um, and I think that's critical because actually it makes no sense if we don't do it that way. And the, the PPNs are, are doing that work and it's a huge amount of work. I mean, uh, Helen's alluded to that. It, it's hard work to get this done. I think, uh, you know, hopefully she's, she's really uh, powerfully conveyed the fact that it's really useful. Um, you know, PPNs can make massive use out of it uh, once they have them and that they're, they're a living document that you, you revisit them and you go on and look at them. Um, and it would be nice to see that reflected in the national level indicator. Excellent. Well, I'd love to say thank you so much for your time today. Um, thank you to Helen, thank you to Siobhan and to Harriet. Um, and as you say, hopefully that, that this is something that will be taken on at a, a more national level because certainly all policy affects all people. Um, and it is something that needs to be taken on board in terms of that grassroots development. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There's certainly plenty to think about there. Um, as I said in the introduction, this is the last episode for 2020. But don't worry, we have plenty in store for next year. Until then, from all of us in Social Justice Ireland, thank you so much for your support. We wish you all a very happy Christmas and a peaceful and happy new year. Thank you so much.